You're listening to the Hiking is My Therapy podcast, where hiking under the influence of mental health happens right here. Deborah guides you through stories and discussions on how the mental health benefits of hiking has helped others. Depression, trauma, anxiety, ADHD, personality disorders, grief and loss, and many more topics are discussed throughout each episode. Keep in mind though, each episode is based on personal perspective or experience to give us insight on choosing a better path. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hiking is My Therapy podcast. I'm Deborah, and this episode is Attention, It's Okay Not to Be Okay with Dylan Medici. Dylan is the manager for outreach and education for the New Jersey Highlands Coalition. On top of it, Dylan is an avid hiker, and he chose to sit down with us today to talk to us about his role in the organization, ADHD, cystic fibrosis, and how it's important to ask for help with mental health. So let's get started. Thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Uh, and, you know, taking the time out of your day to speak with me. I know today is a, a, a little... Uh, gray and uh i i do appreciate it so so to start off a bit can you briefly just tell us about about yourself personally and then professionally what whatever you feel like sharing with us sure uh thanks for having me on the program deborah um it is a little cold and uh, uh wet out there so i'm very jealous that you were able to get outside today yeah. uh, because uh, I used to be more of an avid hiker, but now that I have more of an office role, fortunately, don't get out as much as I used to. Um, so I'm the manager of outreach and education at the New Jersey Highlands Coalition, uh, which is a small nonprofit based in Boone, uh, New Jersey. Um, I've more or less been a lifelong New Jersey resident. I've grown up mostly in Rockaway Township, and uh, before that, I was in South Plainfield. Uh, but recently, I moved to Byram. Uh, most of those are in the Highlands region of New Jersey. Um, and really, I've, uh, well, my father took me out often uh, when I was a kid. So I've always been kind of an outdoors person. But when I was a kid, I didn't really appreciate it that much. Uh, we would often go to Watchung Reservation and go fishing and hiking. And sometimes we would go down to the Pine Barrens. Uh, but uh, as a child, and certainly today, uh, I've always struggled with cystic fibrosis. Uh, which is a terminal genetic disorder that affects the lungs. So uh, my quality of life has, has not until, until recently been uh, very high quality. So I always preferred to stay inside because physical activity really uh, wore me out because it would often cause co uh, coughing fits. So I spent a long time trying to uh, not be an outdoorsy person. And I kind of kept that up during college. And it wasn't until after college when I started working that uh, I really started getting outside more. Um, and certainly ADHD was a part of that as well. Um, and there were two uh, things that I kind of uh, had issues with growing up. So it wasn't really until 2018 where I started getting really anxious, really bored. And uh, I started going outside more. Yeah, I have a, uh, a drink of OT right here. <laughs> well, that's uh, that, that sounds like it's, hasn't been an easy road for you for sure. Um, but has the outdoors made you feel, um, I, I guess, you know, like more, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Has it given you like a new outlook in terms of, you know, just what you're dealing with? 
Absolutely. So um, when I, I never, I was one of those people who never really knew what they wanted to do when they went uh, finished high school. I was told that I had to go to college to get a new job. And really my focus was on really getting a job out of college. So I wasn't really passionate about what I was doing. I was spending you know, my time working under fluorescent lights, doing a fairly boring work. Um, actually, I was working in the field of manufacturing medical devices, making, you know, in 2020, Oh, machines wow. to do blood testing for COVID of all things. Wow. <laughs> so, um, I, my job, you know, was not very stimulating and uh, I started going outside to get some sort of stimulation to get my mind off of things. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, being outside, there's tons of stuff to learn about. There's trees, there's, you know, weather, there's streams, there's all sorts of things. And someone who has had ADHD, um, and it had not really had, you know, been treated for it. You know, having all that kind of stuff to look at is, uh, you know, having ADHD really rewards you for being able to look at a million different things at once. Um, so being outside was relaxing because I could, you know, learn about different things mm -hmm. and not really have any structure to learning about it, learning about them and structure and, you know, an academic setting has always been very difficult for me. So I didn't really do very well in school. So um, being outside really changed my perspective because it allowed me to you know, learn in a way that I didn't really have to have a goal with learning. And so being outside is, is really great because, you know, you can really structure it the way you want. Um, and there doesn't really have to be a goal about it. A lot of hiking is you know, not so much about getting to a destination, but enjoying the, uh, the path to it. Absolutely. I definitely agree with you about that. And what does mental health look like to you? If you could define it or just conceptualize it? Well, What's your definition? Um, I mean, I think mental health really has to, you know, it's very individual. Uh, you know, for me personally, mental health is having things that are stimulating, um, but also, you know, having uh, some challenges in your life. So mental health isn't always just being happy all the time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, you have to have something to work towards. You have to have some kind of challenge in your life. Um, but uh, mental health is being able to balance those kinds of stressors with, you know, moments of serenity or peacefulness um, and being able to uh, have a place of comfort that you can return to. And that place of comfort could be just in your home with your pets. It could be out on the trail, um, you know, enduring the, you know, difficult conditions of just being outside away from technology, or it could be, uh, you know, spending time with your family or whatever gives you joy. So uh, really mental health is finding out what those what those things are for you and then being able to balance that with you know making a living and other things for sure for sure i i definitely agree um i know you mentioned adhd and cystic fibrosis how does that affect your mental health even if it's just a stressful moment you know when you are outside and when you're off the trail um or cf so cystic fibrosis has always been a significant part of my mental health mm -hmm. up until recently um, within like the past five years or so the life expectancy of someone living with cystic fibrosis was only about 35 to 36 years old um, so going into college i didn't really care what i studied um, because i had this expectation that i wouldn't really live long enough for it to make a difference so i never really put a whole lot of time into investing in myself yeah. But ADHD has always been part of that equation. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how they're interrelated. Um, 
But um, I, I guess the way that they're really related is that I, you know, I've always enjoyed learning about things. I've always been, you know, I've always considered myself a voracious learner, but never really cared for actually studying. Um, so um, they've been challenging because recently, um, well, with the advances in the treatment for CDF, I've been able to focus more on my physical and mental health and, you know, being able to actually recognize that ADHD actually is a problem for me um, was something uh, uh, that is still new to me. Got it. Got it. Well, like I said before, I'm sure it's not an easy, easy journey for you, you know, um, in terms of asking for help, what do you feel like is the biggest barrier for you? Or are you better at that now than maybe you were? Or are you still, you know, struggling in terms of asking for help? Well, there's still a lot of stigma around mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly, you know, being able to identify the good and the bad part of mental health is part of the problem as well. Um, and so, you know, since mental health isn't as apparent as a physical disability, um, it can be hard to even know that there's something uh, with you, something, you know, an issue with you that, you know, might not be normal as compared to other people. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I've always had issues paying attention or setting schedules and goals and things like that. And it wasn't until I got into a rural, you know, it wasn't until I got into a career where I had time to, you know, I had some level of comfort where I, you know, had my basic needs met. You know, I, you know, I wasn't struggling to meet, um, you know, bills or car payments or, um, you know, rising costs of food. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not really able to focus on mental health until your more immediate needs are, are met. So being able to even get treatment for mental health is something that people who are, you know, pretty well off are only able to do if you're living in poverty. Yeah. Um, and it's not so easy to access mental health services or to even know that there can be help available to you. So a big part of that is, um, you know, that there's certainly an, uh, an economic inequality to uh, being able to get help for your mental health and also to I guess, have role models in your life where you can look up to and say that person, you know, has, you know, good mental and physical health. And um, yeah, to acknowledge those, uh, those problems you have with yourself is uh, something that's very difficult to begin with. For sure. I, you know, there's something called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a, uh, like a psychology slash social work term slash model. And it right away that popped in my head. And it, I think it's start, I, I, you know, it's been, been a bit, so I might be a little off, but I think it starts with, uh, those basic needs of, you know, shelter and then food. And then it, you know, it, it just builds up, you know, to self-actualization. I think it is, I could be wrong. Don't quote me, but, <laughs> but it definitely reminds me exactly of what you just said. You know, it's hard because you have to fulfill these base, basic needs before you could be comfortable with yourself, you know, emotionally or mentally. So, um, I, yeah, I could definitely, absolutely. yeah, um, obviously you need to have food and water and shelter before you can begin to work on anything else. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's really, you have to, I guess I, I'm kind of familiar with the, uh, the hierarchy of needs. Um, but really you have to work on certain things before you can get to other things. Like for example, art is kind of a luxury that some people are able to work on because they have their other needs. Met. And there's also the argument that only good art is pr produced by starving, struggling artists. And uh, <laughs> if you're making your living doing sure. art, you know, there's certainly an incentive to try and produce. But uh, um, it's, if, if everything is pretty much messy. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, then that's when like stigmas come into play, right? And stigma can definitely have an influence on asking for help, kind of like what we were just talking about. And, you know, whether it's personal, professional, you know, institutionally, you know, what does stigma mental health look like in the hiking world? Like, how do you see it through your lens? What do you feel that entails? Um, maybe not so much a stigma, but certainly a barrier to, uh, uh, you know, mental health in the, uh, the outdoor recreation space is just space to do it. Um, a lot of people that, um, you know, don't have access to open space uh, tend to be those low income or urban communities. And those are communities that, you know, have, you know, high mental health issues or, um, you know, other community issues, access to water, access to transportation. The people who live in cities in New Jersey, like Newark and Jersey City, have to travel a long distance to be able to go hiking or kayaking or fishing. Um, and uh, I know that you live in Mawa, um, and Mawa, um, well, it's part of the region that I work in with the New Jersey Highlands Coalition. Um, it's in the Highlands region. And yeah. uh, a lot of people don't recognize how much open space there is in New Jersey, not just in the Highlands, but throughout the state. Um, but, you know, a lot of that stuff is, you know, not where the cities are. The cities are away and they have to come to the recreation. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I don't know the actual numbers, but it's been proven that, you know, just a little bit of time outside has measurable effects on mental health. Yeah. Um, a lot of communities don't have access to that. So I think that's one of the biggest barriers in uh, being able to get outside and the uh, experience the benefits that hiking has on mental and physical health. For sure. Lack of resources definitely puts up a lot of barriers for many different people. And it's unfortunate because without resources, we can't provide services, right? And that goes across the board for any kind of service. So it it definitely makes it a challenge. And it seems like, you know, like funds aren't even available, even though the need is there, which is also unfortunate, you know, especially for some organizations and it makes things complicated to innovate and to grow. So, you know, what specific ways do you feel like you've grown when alleviating certain symptoms, but more specifically with hiking or, you know, just being outdoors in general? What do you feel like has helped? Um, I feel like just having uh, space to reflect on myself is extremely important, um, especially in the era of the internet and the influence of social media. Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to get a glimpse into other people's lives by the posts that they put out on Facebook or Instagram, but they're putting out a very specifically curated part of their lives. They're not showing you what's happening you know, behind the scenes. They're not showing you the struggles that they deal with. Um, and there's still a stigma around sharing those struggles. Um, so it's, you know, it's always kind of pointless to compare yourself to other people because you're not other people, you're yourself. So being able to get outside to go hiking or kayaking or fishing is time that you can spend thinking about yourself and thinking about, you know, comparing yourself to who you want to be. Um, and, you know, as I've gotten outside, I've, you know, I've done a lot of thinking on who I think I ought to be and um, it gives me time to decompress because a lot of my job is doing social media. So I see those stories and, you know, it's really great to see, you know, for example, these people living these van lives out in, you know, the national parks going from park to park where they do remote work. Yeah. You know, very idealized 
picture of what hap what ha what's happening, but they're not showing you the picture of them having to dump out their their uh, their little you know toilet bucket or all the other stuff that has to go into maintaining that lifestyle. You're only seeing the best parts of it. Oh, for sure. So you know, having time outside is is time that you can spend working on yourself, and you don't have to you know meet anyone else's standards but your own. So I think that that is extremely important. Just having space uh, mentally and you know away from all this technology to do so is important. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Social media can be a blessing and a curse for sure. Um, it, I, I, I agree with you. You know, I think self-reflection also is really important for anybody. And to that point, if you're comfortable and it's okay if you're not, but if you don't mind sharing maybe something you learned about yourself being outside by yourself. Um. Maybe we can come back to that in a couple of minutes because no. uh, I'm kind of blanking on uh, an no answer. No worries. No worries. And, you know, sometimes it's there isn't really an answer for it. It just kind of, you know, formulates into, you know, just being secure with whatever it is going about your day and you just feel better. You know, sometimes it's just a feeling. It's not really a specific answer. So um, we could definitely come back to that. Um, in terms of asking for help and, you know, that extra outside support, nope, no pun intended. What do you feel environmental organizations should integrate into help promoting healing around mental health challenges? Or what do you feel could be helpful? Um, a big part of that is a lot, a lot of nonprofit organizations, and I'm hoping that more larger corporate organizations are taking into account as well, are issues surrounding diversity, uh, equality, inclusivity, and justice in their programming and how they interact with communities. Uh, you know, the environmental field especially is typically dominated by, you know, white men. Mm -hmm. um, so there's definitely um, a certain attitude that goes along with that. It's kind of this attitude of paternalism or knowing what's best. Uh, but a lot of organizations until recently had, you know, assumed that they know what's best and they're not, they, you know, weren't always doing the engagement with communities to realize what communities need in order to address um, their issues. So there's a lot of work being done um, to gather information about how to serve different types of communities. Um, it's something that we at the Highlands Coalition have only recently started work on because uh, we are a coalition that basically works through 88 municipalities in New Jersey. Um, and it's, you know, trying to get an awareness of how do we meet the needs of diverse communities and how do we even ask the questions or approach how we ask the questions on, you know, what these communities need. So, um, you know, a big part of mental health is, you know, knowing when to ask for help or even acknowledging that you need help to begin with. So it's very easy, you know, I see this all the time when people talk about suicide, for instance, is, you know, they say if you're feeling uh, you know, like you're going to hurt yourself or others, that you should reach out and say something. But that is very difficult for people who are having those feelings because of the stigma that surrounds it. So what we need to be doing it to, is to transition to um, having a mindset of being proactive and offering services to these people or, um, you know, becoming aware of when these people need help and doing so pro proactively to, you know, prevent them from being in a situation of crisis to begin with. Um, and that's something that we should be aware of no matter what we're, we're working on, whether it's mental health, whether it's issues, you know, related to access to water or open space or, 
um, housing or whatever needs need to be met in the community, mm -hmm. uh, organizations need to be really proactive um, in uh, being aware of that without people having, without putting, putting the burden onto the people who are being affected. I think that is perfectly said. I, I love that answer. I'm just, just throwing that out there. Um, but before we close, you know, pick a favorite trail anywhere in the area, the country, the world, whatever floats your boat, something you would recommend to us and why. That is almost impossible. So <laughs> I've always been torn between New York and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, grew up looking, you know, to get out of New Jersey because everyone wants to get out of where they grew up. So I, I think I've harbored a lot of resentment for New Jersey because there's so much beauty throughout the rest of the world that it's hard to see what exists here in your own backyard. I mean, you for walk the sure. in New Jersey, they look nothing like the Catskills of New York and they look nothing like the Rocky Mountains and, you know, Colorado. Um, so Absolutely. to be fair to New Jersey, I'll pick a place in New Jersey. Um, and that's, <laughs> I'd say probably it's hard to say. I guess <laughs> being with the Highlands Coalition, I guess I'd have to pick an iconic view in the Highlands, okay. which would be uh, Wyanoke High Point at Northern Green. It's one of the most iconic views in the state. Um, it's one of the most popular hikes in the state. And for a good reason, you can walk up and you see some of the oldest mountains in North America. And from the viewpoint, you can see the source of water for most of North Jersey at the Wanakee Reservoir. You can see the New York City skyline. And on a good day, you can see the Catskills from there. So it's really an amazing viewpoint. But you have to get there really early because the crowds <laughs> get started pretty early and the parking is awful there. For sure. For sure. Well, I think you just sold everybody on, on that hike. So... <laughs> Um, what about any last words, any insider suggestions, anything else you wanted to add or anything uh, at all? I'll, I'll put in another plug for the organization that I work for, um, because a lot of people, you know, who are into hiking in this part of the country have probably heard of the Hudson Highlands. They've probably heard of Breakneck Ridge, um, but they're not so aware that the Highlands region, uh, which is part of the Appalachian Mountains, run from Pennsylvania, up through New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. Um, in New Jersey, they, you know, act similarly to the Catskills in New York in that they provide 70% of New Jersey's residents with clean drinking water, uh, just like the Catskills do for New York City. Um, even though it's a pretty small area of the state, um, you know, they're not that well known. Um, mm -hmm. So I just wanted to let people know that the New Jersey Highlands Coalition um, works to uh, preserve that water. And actually, this program is really apt because it goes along with a campaign that we're uh, starting to uh, get off the ground now called Forever Wild New Jersey, oh, which nice. emphasizes New Jersey's wild places, not just forests, but meadowlands, um, the shore region, um, and all sorts of places where you might find wildness in the state um, and uh, seeks to protect them for, you know, physical and mental health benefits, for that clean water, for that access to open space, um, and especially for climate change uh, resilience and uh, protection of biodiversity. So uh, we don't have the website on just yet, but it should be coming up in a, in a month or so. So well, uh, we're hoping that it'll, you know, we'll have a lot of educational programs to go along with it. Very cool. Everybody needs to check that out. That sounds very interesting and exciting, it, especially since it's up and coming. I'm sure it's going to 
take off really well. It sounds like an interesting initiative. So I really appreciate you joining us today, Dylan, and speaking a little bit about your personal experiences, the organization, and just what the outdoors means to you in general. Uh, You've shared a lot of insight. Again, I really, really do appreciate it. Um, So everybody tune in next time. And thank you again, Dylan. Take care. Thank you for having me. Hey, Hiking is My Therapy listeners, make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Or for more information, check us out at hikingismytherapy.com.